to go, Chair? I'm ready, Claire, are you ready? Yes, ready. Thank you. Thank you very much. Start the uh, broadcast. Uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the October meeting of uh, Uttlesford District Council Scrutiny Committee. This is one of the special local plan scrutiny meetings where we consider items in relation to the local plan rather than any other business. Um, particular welcome to Councillor Stora, who's attending as chair of the local plan leadership group, and to Councillor Sutton, who is the substitute for Councillor Stora on this committee. Welcome. I invariably start these meetings with a little homily about how scrutiny is a critical friend of the administration and it's not a political forum. You've heard it many, many times before, and I'm sure it washes over your heads. But I am going to repeat it. Um, I have had a number of people mentioning to me, and I noticed myself, that um, in recent meetings we've had members defending the executive from what they thought was criticism. Um, if I would remind you, if you're on scrutiny committee, it's not your job to defend the executive. They're perfectly capable of doing it themselves. They're an intelligence able bunch, and you leave your party political hat at the door of scrutiny committee. Our job is to ask questions to improve the performance. It's not to defend if we feel they're being uh, unjustly criticised. They're perfectly capable of that, and it's also my job to uh, deal with unjust criticism. So, having made that point, the first item this evening is public speakers. We have one public speaker. Uh, Councillor David Hall from Great Chesterford Parish Council. I probably have to declare a slight interest here. I've known Mr Hall for many, many years from Great Chesterford Parish Council, and he has absolutely encyclopedic knowledge of the local plan, its processes, and ins and outs going back over many years. Councillor Hall, the floor is yours. Chairman, thank you, and thank you for allowing me to speak. The list of other consultees in Appendix C on in Agenda Item 3, also in Appendix B of the proposed Community Engagement Strategy that was adopted last week by LPWG, contains no organisation associated with Great Chesterton. Thank you. Yet in relation to the withdrawn local plan, both the examining inspectors and historic England have of particular importance to the national significance organizations not being included in the isolation list. Thank you. 
sorry, Chair. Um, it's Claire here, sorry. Uh, there's a lot of feedback coming out of my recording. Um, so I, I think we might have to just adjourn. Sorry, sorry, Chair, it's Ben, it's ben here. I've just, um, I was listening to the recording and yeah, there was, there was a lot of feedback. And I can't hear it whilst I'm on this meeting with you. So if you. Oh, I can. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I think we just need to adjourn just for, for a moment just to find out what's going on with that broadcast. Sorry, Chair. Are you still there? Yes, I am. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. 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 Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Apologies to members of the public listening at home for that brief adjournment. We had a couple of technical problems. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. We could fix those. We are under public speaking item of this scrutiny committee. Mr. Hall from Great Councillor Hall from Great Chester. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. And Councillor Evans, the portfolio member for planning, is in the process of replying to them. Councillor Evans. Uh, thank you. Uh, I just wanted to uh, uh, conclude on your um, uh, uh, your question, really, Chairman, uh, as to how to avoid such matters as described by Mr Hall in future. Uh, you yourself will remember that um, Councillor Hall and I, uh, with you and Councillor Parrott, are uh, proposing to meet to review the uh, lengthy paper and supporting documents which uh, Councillor Hall has uh, let me have. Um, and I suggest that we review that. Uh, I just wanted to conclude uh, on I don't think, as I got your question, I'm trying to
just just received a WhatsApp saying we are not transmitting. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold. Once again, apologies, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you listening at home. Um, we've been having some quite protracted technical problems, and so we have another brief adjournment to try and correct them. What finished speaking by members of the public, and the next item is apologies for absence and declarations of interest. Do we have any apologies, please, Mr. Gibson?
Uh, Councillor Dean, as apologies, uh, Chair. Thank you very much indeed. Would any member care to declare an interest in any uh, matters on this agenda? I'm not seeing any particular matters. Good. We'll take that as nil. Minutes of the previous meeting. Now, we don't have minutes of the previous meeting. Um, that's because, uh, in agreement with Mr Ferguson and Mr Gibson, we've decided to keep the, meeting, the minutes in synchronisation with the type of meeting. So, standard scrutiny minutes will come to standard scrutiny committee. Local plan scrutiny minutes will come to local plan scrutiny to make sure that we have some semblance of the chronology of events. So there are no minutes to be approved at this meeting. Uh, we now move on to the substantive items on the agenda. I'm going to take these slightly out of order. I'm going to take item six first, project management, as that is perhaps the key to the other items on the agenda. Uh, Mr Payne, are you intending to introduce this item? Uh, yes, please, Chair. Thank you very much. Great, thank you very much. Um, so, members, um, on page 80, uh, the report uh, sets out the background of this item, and then there are some appendices. So if I can just take the committee through these key points. Um, and I've listened very carefully to the comments that have been made already in this meeting, and the intention here is that the project management arrangements for the local plan will be very thorough and transparent. Those are really important principles so that you as members have maximum confidence in the work that is going on on the new local plan. So um, we are proposing a different approach in terms of how we manage that transparency and tackle the issue. On page 81, I set out the eight principles of good project management. I think it's really important just to reflect on best practice. Um, and uh, the fundamental first one is focusing in on the outcome. We're not doing this because uh, it's, it's not the process which is driving, should be driving this, it's the outcome that we are looking for. And I think it's really important as a council, we've got big ambitions and life has moved on since the previous level. Plan. I mean, at least in relation to COVID-19, but in terms of ambitions around net zero carbon, around net biodiversity gain. And so there's a real opportunity now for us not to redo things as we did uh, before, but to look at these uh, issues afresh and to see how we can achieve that ambition. So that's the fundamental thing, I think, here, making sure that we're successful in having a sound plan delivers on the corporate ambition uh, and uh, a few other things there tell it like it is so I think the project manager who manages this system has a responsibility to provide clear advice to members and, and to other officers about the real situation and the new governance arrangements which have been agreed by cabinet for the local plan provide an opportunity for this committee to take a really uh, key role in overseeing the process. And I think that's another key part of this, to make sure that we're clear on how we're dividing responsibilities so that we're efficient in the way that we use your time and officer time, but also we're clear on who is doing what. And I think that's another key part of this too, 
to say that this committee uh, has a responsibility to receive regular reports, which you're confident are accurate and nothing is held back. And also, an additional requirement which wasn't in, this, in the arrangements before, when you, in April, decided to withdraw the local plan and start a new one, there was a commitment, and it's at the top of page 82, to provide a report on a quarterly basis to MHCLG about the progress being made on the local plan, including slippage in the programme that may be encountered, accompanied by full explanations. Before being sent, these updates will be referred to a member group. So that was a resolution of full council. And uh, my proposal on this report is, is this committee that is that member group. And that uh, essentially is that the, the uh, quarterly return goes through this committee. So just looking at what is it then? How do you satisfy yourself uh, that uh, you've got a very good handle on what is happening, what is actually happening? and that you've got trust in the officers that are doing this job for you, because that's what we are doing. We are doing this for you, as a collectively the council. So the first of these appendices is the risk register, and if I can just refer you to page 85, and this is appendix 1, and this sets out the, uh, all the current risks that we've identified um, and the intention is that this register will be prepared or kept up to date all of the time. Um, and for those of you who are very sharp-eyed, um, I think you will have noticed that the risk register uh, that's attached to the PID is, um, is uh, not the same as the one attached to this report. And that's simply because in the few days that the PID um, was put together, we've already added in some additional points into the risk register. Uh, the PID risk res register just simply shows what we thought the risks were at project initiation. Even in those few days, we've added additional ones. Um, and so this document really sets out what the risks are, and then what we need to do about that, and then what we think the risks are after the mitigation. The second uh, appendix is set out on page 89. So how do you as members, or indeed we as officers, manage this huge amount of data, which will cover uh, a number of years? And so I'm suggesting three levels to really be able to get that handle on what is happening. This is the top level one. This is the dashboard. So I, I've I likened this to being in a vehicle and uh, this is to give you an idea of the speed and if we've got any warning lights. Um, so hopefully we can avoid crashing or breaking down. Um, and so this, um, this report on page 89 shows the position on the 30th of September at the end of the second quarter. And you will see that there are 86 tasks which uh, are in the uh, project plan at that point in time. Uh, of which 38 were completed, 45 in total started, three not started. And then there's a breakdown of where we think the, they are in terms of uh, uh, their red, amber and green status. So red being uh, there's a significant problem, uh, amber being there could be a problem, and green that everything's on track. And in that I should say that you 
could have things that are not started, which are within the green slot. So it's, um, and then there's a narrow there which shows change. So each time we report to you, we show the difference. At the moment, it's neutral because this is the first report. The third appendix is workstream status. So that was, I just showed you the speed at which we're going, whether there are any warning lights overall. Um, the workstream status, page 90, is more like an executive summary. And there's a, uh, a narrative about where we are. And then I've pulled out some of the key issues which need to be addressed, and then some of the risks. Overall, the position at this moment, as we sit here this evening, is that I think the new local plan is on amber. Uh, and that's because we need the project initiation documents to be approved by Cabinet on the 20th of October to remain on the timeline. If uh, the Cabinet are satisfied and the project initiation documents go through then, then it will turn green. If they're not, it will go red. So that's really a... Um, heads up on where we are overall on the uh, on the um, executive summary, and then the final bit, which is Appendix Four, which is on page ninety-one, uh, really sets out all of the um, uh, the live tasks within the current quarter. There will be hundreds, simply hundreds of these. There are already hundreds, but um, uh, huge numbers of this as we go through the process. So the intention here is to provide this to you on, in terms of the live stuff. Um, and, uh, and there is a commentary and also you'll see the rag rating. I would highly recommend that you do not go through this line by line in this meeting. Because frankly, Chair, you would be here for two or three days. Um, so what I would say is very happy in advance of the meeting to be able to answer any specific questions. But at the meeting, I would very much recommend that the committee uh, focuses in on those tasks which is, it is especially interested in. And that could be done by the, uh, by the uh, RAG rating that's shown. So, Chair, those are the, um, the reports that um, I'm recommending that the, uh, the committee uh, receives. This report is about the process. It's not about um, uh, the, uh, the individuals who are running this. This is really around the, the process and making sure that you're satisfied that you are getting the information that you require to take a judgment. And, uh, and the question is then, what do you do with this, uh, having seen that? Uh, then if there are changes, we report that back uh, through to Corporate Overview Board the officers to action or through to the leadership group and on to cabinet. So there are a number of different uh, actions to be taken uh, on the strength of the, uh, your scrutinization or scrutiny of these, uh, of these reports. Chair, I hope that's helpful. Uh, happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Payne. That was extremely helpful. Um, I can assure you we will be taking your advice and we won't be getting in in detail, that is better handled elsewhere and I'm sure you will be uh, very much on top of that. Um, a number of councillors have got their hands up already. If I could just remind councillors of the process we've agreed for this, uh, our lead members for the local plan are councillors Christiane and Coote and I'm going to ask them to direct any questions they have 
to Mr. Payne first. Everybody who wishes to speak will, of course, have plenty of opportunity to speak. Um, Councillor Cristiani, before you start, I believe you had a point you wish to make on another matter. Absolutely, Chairman. Uh, I merely have to sort of raise a declaration of interest um, in looking at item number one, uh, and I'm fearful I might open a can of worms if there are more members here, but I'm a member of the National Trust, uh, which apparently is one of the consultees. Uh, thank you very much. So, on this particular agenda item, I, I really have to commend the work that Mr Payne's done to get us to this point. I have to say, on a personal note, I feel like we've made huge progress since the last scrutiny committee meeting, and actually we're seeing something we can truly comment on, which is great. Um, we, we've already sort of spoken at length outside of this meeting, but I, I think the key question for me, um, which has arisen since, is what, what continues on? when we look at that risk assessment and we identify um, that there are specific points that are the highest risk. So if something's rated at 20, do we then put in place an action plan or a specific work programme to ensure that we're trying to bring that down or we're trying to sort of counteract the, the potential impacts of that? Okay, um, Chair, shall I answer that? Um, uh, I think the, the role here is for the uh, committee to uh, to identify those those issues which need attention. I think that uh, this would be an instruction normally to the officers to be able to uh, to uh, action a particular point you felt had not been properly addressed. I think the other thing is that you may some of the there's a question of judgment on some of the risks. Um, and uh, so as officers and through the Corporate Overview Board with the Chief Executive Chairing, uh, we've taken our view about what we think those risks are, um, but you might have a different view about that. So, um, uh, and that might then elevate the, uh, the actions that need to be taken, both in terms of priority or in terms of scope. So I think the, the fundamental thing here is uh, it's up to the officers to action and address these points. Uh, and uh, helpful for you then to be able to tell us whether you think we've done enough or whether we need to do more. I know, I mean, I mean that's all, all well and understood, and I, I certainly think it's right that the uh, the officers spearhead um, any of these sort of action points as they come. It's, it's, it's your job to, to do so. Um, it, it's more the fact that I, I, I guess I was... Uh, scared or worried you know you always see red and think crikey danger um and so some of the uh, some of the points that are raised in the risk register um even after mitigatory measures um are still in the red as it were and so i guess it's, it's not a question of who's going to do it who's going to take action but rather um what what sort of procedure is in place or um how are we going to take action you know because those points will remain red unless something urgent is done i'm assuming and so um whilst it might be the officer's job to do exactly that is there is there any kind of next step for those particularly urgent action points um or is it just a case of getting them done as, as you normally would within the normal work program do we give them the special attention i guess is what i'm asking yeah. Um, well, again, I'd say it depends very much on the, the issue. So, um, I mean, one of the issues, for instance, at the moment are the changes to national uh, planning policy um, and, uh, and the uh, lobbying that's been done both at uh, officer and, and member level. Um, so it may be in that discussion because some of these things are, are simply out of our control. 
um, in terms of, for instance, the standard housing methodology, which would have such a profound impact upon our district, paying up from 700 houses per annum to 1,200, for instance. So I think it's right that we recognise those things which are which are really, really important, and the fact that we're not completely um, uh, sort of our own destiny here. But I think the judgment then is to say, well, have we done everything we possibly can where we've got an issue, you know, like, for instance, the housing methodology issue? Is there anything else that can be done, uh, given that it's going to have such a profound impact upon our district? That's great. The, the final um, sort of comment that I'd like to, to pass, really, um, is, is it the detail, the levels of detail? I think that's spot on to have a dashboard and then go into further detail. Um, clearly, we will have something sort of oven ready uh, to go to MHCLG that we report to them. Um, I, I've asked you this before, but I'll ask you here in this particular forum. Um, is this the way that it's going to be packaged? Um, is this what we will see when it comes to us the next time around, albeit, you know, with the changes as we start to make progress? Indeed, yeah. Uh, I think that this is a very good start. If uh, we need to uh, change um, some of the, the uh, way we present it, we can do that. But I think this is a very good start. Um, and uh, I, if you find it helpful in this format, this is what we would do. Great. I, I have to agree with the uh, intention there. And also the fact that we as a scrutiny committee will be responsible for that sort of final check. Um, I think that's the right thing to do. Any more questions, Councillor Cristiani? Councillor Coote. Very Good evening, uh, Simon. Um, as uh, Chris said, we were uh, fortunate enough to have uh, a little pre-meeting, and I enjoyed uh, that. Um, you kindly sent to me uh, the ragging question that I asked you, and obviously... I, I looked at it. The only thing that I, I'm not quite sure of, Simon, is the question I asked was how we come to the Brussels wagon, who puts it in, how's it put in, where's it come from? Um, you kindly sent to me the answer that, it's, that uh, obviously is um, fairly straightforward, because it's something that you've, uh, I don't quite know the terminology you use, but you've taken it from a, from a box of tricks, really, and put it on there. It doesn't really explain to me how you, as the progress chaser, uh, will, will enter any of that data into it, I'm afraid. So that's a, a question that perhaps you can give to me offline. I'm quite happy to, to take that. So it's not a criticism. It's an observation that when I looked into it, I did what uh, any normal person would do and looked at the, uh, the pocket tricks that you'd uh, taken it from. But it doesn't, there's about eight ways you could actually adjust that. And I'm not quite sure which way you're going to do that. But my other question, which is more important, and it's one that I'll be asking on several occasions tonight to different people, is about resources. Um, this is a very comprehensive uh, piece of uh, work you've done, and I thanked you before, and I'll thank you again for it. But uh, in your opinion, do you think you've got enough resources, and that may be offices, it may be other people, but it seems to me that, uh, and a lot of councillors, I have to say, that the process so far has been pretty slow and we're probably running behind what most councillors would want us to uh, be achieving. Uh, looking at the work that you're doing, and you're going to be the progress chaser, so I'm putting you on the spot, really. Do you believe you've got enough resources, whether it's officers or otherwise? Um, if you have, and you say so now, remember, obviously, um, someone like me will come back to you and say, well, you can't say you didn't have enough officers, you can't say you didn't have enough 
resources, because when I asked you, you said you had. And I believe in scrutiny. That is a part of our job tonight, to make sure that you and other people are well-resourced uh, and haven't got uh, a position where you say to us as councillors, who you know our role, we make the policy and you push it through and uh, make it work. And if we don't ask you that question, Simon, uh, then obviously uh, something else. Yeah, and whatever I say is being recorded, so uh, that's uh, that's clear. Um, yeah, so just a couple of things I'd like to say about that. Um, in terms of the overall picture, we have uh, taken a view about the cost on the basis of the program that's before you in the, in the pit, um, and and that's reflected also in the medium-term financial strategy, which is going through the uh, the machine machinery. Um, but there are lots of variables around at the moment. So this is this is established on the basis of the timetable we've set out, and uh, and the approach that's been set out. The variables, of course, are around changes to the planning system, and uh, and we can't um, second guess all of those changes. So what we can do, we've done the best uh, uh, judgment on the basis of what of we know. The other thing I would say is there are two other things I would say. Um, last year, we bid successfully as a council for money, capacity money from government, which we had expected to um, use to produce mini local plans for the garden communities which were previously proposed. And we recruited a team of very skilled officers, a principal urban designer, a principal transport officer, a number of different people, skills which we hadn't got at that time. Uh, in-house, which we now have. And what we've been able to do is to redeploy those staff into the team which uh, Stephen is leading and apply them to this new task. So it's a tremendous opportunity. We've got some very skilled people, uh, and I think the council should should uh, welcome that to, to do this task. Um, and we've also um, asked uh, or made a bid uh, to government for some additional funding as well to supplement what we're doing especially around the community engagement. So um, but we've yet to hear whether we'd be successful on that. So what you have before you is a costed programme uh, on the basis of the assumptions that we know about, uh, and we've got a skilled team to be able to address the, uh, the plan that uh, you want us to put together. Any more questions, Councillor Coote? Councillor Lecount, you're next. Mayor, you are. Thank you very much. Uh, mine is not questions for you, Simon. Mine are just statements, if you don't mind. Um, I think it's an excellent project plan, and I've looked at it very, very closely. I like it a lot. And I think, in actual fact, I'm going to call it a new way forward. Uh, because basically, if I, if I recollect, going back to the last local plan, we never had meetings like this. We never had uh, looking at project progress. Um, and so, therefore, I'm going to say, I like what we've got. I will be asking you some more very, very pertinent questions in the future. But I think, so far, we can see new controls, new ideas, and a new plan. And I think the residents would welcome to hear that because basically in the past, on the last two local plans, 
we never had a scrutiny committee looking at the local plan. That is a question. So maybe you could ask that one. That's one, that's one question for you. So on the, on the basis, good controls, good plan, good ideas, and a new plan going forward. I think most residents have always been concerned about, well, we've tried it twice, so what's going to be different this time? Well, I think I've actually answered those questions, and I think you've answered those questions quite as well. So, uh, anyway, that's my one question to you. Uh, new plan, new ideas, new control. Yeah, and um, I would say, yes, this is a different way of um, approaching it, and a different role for scrutiny, looking at the... Um, the project plan in this way. So the answer to that is yes. Any further questions, Councillor Lecount? Okay, thank you. Councillor Sir. Thank you, Chair. I agree with what's been said so far. Uh, I, I'm pleased about the project plan that we've got in front, with, front of us. And I think... Uh, Mr. Fain has answered the question as well. I'd just like to draw the committee's attention to the areas in red. Mr. Payne quite rightly said that there are some things that are not within our control. Um, yes, there are. That doesn't mean to say that we can't do anything about them. Uh, we are in a movable feast in terms of what's happening at Westminster, and I will try to illustrate that in a minute. I'd just like, with your permission, Chair, just to focus on three of the points here. The first one is 12, and 12 says applications being granted on appeal undermine emerging strategy. I think that is a real concern out there, certainly in Stansted it is, who I talk to, I have seen, and I hope that it will not be the case now, that in the past, some members of the planning committee felt under pressure to approve planning applications. What? Because of the fact that they might go to appeal and UDC loses the appeal. What I would say is that it's vital for us and the residents that planning committee members look at the application on its merits if they think that the application runs foul of various policies then they have the ability to say no and they know that it may well go to appeal which may or may not be upheld. And so that's the first thing. The second thing is about the difference in planning policy. I have lost it in a moment on my screen, but Councillor Crisioni, I'm sure, is an avid reader of Conservative Home, as I am, and he will know that at the recent party conference, the membership surveyed were divided about the government's planning reforms. Slightly more were in favour of those against and a portion of don't know. And that's one of the areas where it's a little bit. There is a lot of concern, as far as I can see, 
amongst backbenchers in the south of England about the government planning policy. What do we do? Are we just passive observers of the scene? Or we may be doing, I don't know, working through the ACES Council's network, the local government association. Because there are chair, large number chair, we seem to I certainly get a lot of problems with hearing council so I don't think Yes, I can hear some sort of buzzing in the background. Claire, have we got a problem again? No, I, I can hear it still clearly. Um, there is a little bit of interference from Councillor Sell, but as far as I can hear, it's not too bad on the website. Okay. I'm, I'm having trouble hearing it, and I'm not on the website. <laughs> I, I can hear Geoffrey quite loud enough, if you like, but the signal coming in is drowning him out in certain parts. Right. Just one second, Councillor Sell. Um, ben, Claire, Chris, can you possibly have a word with Adrian tomorrow? We really do need to get to the bottom of this whole broadcast thing. Um, Adrian, on holiday this week, Chair. Okay, well, when he's back, can you have a word with him? I'll, I'll take it forward. I'll take it forward, Chair. Very much indeed. I appreciate it. Nobody's fault. It's just one of these things. In, 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 in the meantime, I mean, the only the only other suggestion I can make is that the that I I I mute everybody, including yourself, Chair, whilst somebody else is actually speaking, and then I immediately um, unmute yourself, sort of thing. Possibly. So that only one person is actually uh, unmuted at any one time. Perhaps perhaps we'll try that.
Mr. Payne, would you care to comment? Um, in terms of uh, influencing government policy, um, I mean, we're making representations through uh, the uh, officer channels. Uh, so we've had uh, meetings with an HCLG, and of course, as the council uh, making representations to the consultations, we've got um, a consultation coming up on the white paper. Um, so you know, there, there's uh, action there uh, which is uh, being taken, and uh, as further consultations come through, uh, we will be active uh, there. We're also using our networks as well to find out how like-minded uh, authorities are, are dealing with the issue. Um, I don't know if uh, um, any members, Councillor uh, Evans or the leader, wants to comment on the, the, um, the member perspective on that. Councillor Evans, leader. Um, so, sorry, uh, shall I go first, um, John? Uh, well, yes, do. Um, well, just in, re in relation to uh, Essex County Council, for example, and the position of the other, uh, the other district authorities within Essex, um, among the portfolio holders, and as you probably will know, uh, there is a, a portfolio, planning portfolio holders meeting across the uh, county held, uh, and at the last meeting it was resolved that there would be a collective response um, submitted to the white paper uh, and there'll be a meeting I think in the third week of October to review um, the form of response that will be submitted. Um, of course each district uh, has in relation to housing numbers at least a slightly different uh, view of matters. Uh, our neighbour for example in Braintree uh, its uh, housing numbers uh, will um, emerge uh, rather uh, more favourably, if, if that's the right way of putting it, uh, than, uh, than ours. Uh, so everyone's got their own um, boat to row. Uh, but in relation to the white paper, I think it would be interesting to see the extent to which there will be commonality among the different um, uh, district councils. Uh, uh, Braintree has already drafted a reply to the consultation on the white paper. Um, and uh, it would seem to me anyway uh, that uh, the views that they hold on some issues would not be coincidental with the views which we're likely to be uh, holding. Uh, so I think we do have to bear in mind that it's up to us to um, make our own points of view to the extent that they are different uh, from uh, those of others. Um, uh, but uh, we will certainly be doing things collectively as well, yes. Uh, I'd like to move on from this particular point. So, Leader, do you have any observations to add? I'll make it very short. Um, yeah, I'm personally very keen to speak to um, to ministers about this. They are, as you might expect, somewhat preoccupied at the moment. However, we've already kicked it off through the officer level so that our own officers and our LGA peer review team with, as you know, uh, Malcolm being extremely well connected and they are preparing the way. And so, yeah, we are very keen to, to make those views known uh, in government and we'll be pushing it extremely hard. Thank you. Um, Councillor Sell, any other questions? Thank you, Chair. That's very helpful. What I wanted to say is that Councillor Evans' comments, which I quite agree with, because we're looking at the register 
So things that he's doing with his colleagues across Essex, if he can feed them back through you, Chair, and the committee, that will help us to inform whether we're still at 20 or, or not. Thank you. Councillor Driscoll. Yes, thank you, Chair. Um, message for Mr Pony, if I may. Well, question. I'm a fairly simple guy. And looking at page 85, uh, I've got item one there, that's quite simple. Likelihood for impact five, total score 20, red box. Can we explain this system, please? Sorry, can you repeat the page, Jeff? Watch yeah. uh, it's page 85 and it's the um, risk assessment. So we've got a risk score of likelihood for impact 5 and total score red box 20. 4 and 5 in my mind is 9. Can we explain the third column, please? Total score. Sure. Um, so um, the scoring works the same in both uh, sets of columns. So if you look at page 85, you've got the risk score, uh, which is sort of uh, towards on the left-hand side, and then on the other side, you've got after-risk uh, score. Um, the likelihood uh, column is scored uh, out of five, and that's uh, zero is there's no likelihood. Uh, five is it's a dead certainty. And then the impact, again, is scored 0 to 5. So uh, impact 5 is pretty catastrophic in terms of potentially what it would do to our local plan. Uh, zero impact, it has no uh, impact. And so simply it's the times likelihood uh, times uh, against impact to give the score. And then that then determines the, uh, the uh, traffic light signal. Um, and it's the same for the after-risk mitigation as well. So, so what, yeah, what you're saying is that you don't add the two columns together, you times them. Exactly, multiply them. Thank precisely. You. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Councillor Driscoll. Um, Councillor Storer, I see you'd like to uh, make an intervention as Chair of the Local Plan Leadership Group. Go ahead, please. If I may, Chair, thank you. I'd like to ask um, a question of, of Mr Payne and put it forward as a matter for uh, the members gathered here to consider. Um, and it's this. With regard to this issue of project management, is it appropriate that this body, this committee, is the most appropriate one to consider it in detail? Given all the roles, remits and tasks of other related governance organisations, such as the, the leadership group and the corporate overview board, might it be more appropriate that one of those has that responsibility? And please don't think I'm advocating uh, the leadership group, because I'm not, despite a couple of the, the members wanting that to be the case. And I just wonder how comfortable you are with how it sits together with the various other uh, functions that these groups will have and that this body is the most appropriate one. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much. Yes, I have thought about that quite hard. Um, and I, as I said in my introduction, I think it is really important to recognise the scale of what we're embarked upon. 
this is not an easy task you know, for a whole number of reasons, and, and partly because of the ambition that we've got as well, quite rightly, that we want to have, you know, we've got the potential here to have a, a, one of the most up-to-date local bands in the country addressing uh, the carbon agenda uh, and all of the other things which were important. So how do we split that for us as an authority in the most efficient and appropriate way? I think your group, the leadership group, has got a huge amount to do around uh, looking at the policies and the strategies and to bring forward the plan. And uh, I think, therefore, it is right and proper that we separate out the process, if you like, to look at the um, how the, the nuts and bolts are being uh, put together, whether they're being put on time, whether they're good enough, and all those things, uh, to support the work of your leadership group and the cabinet. I think that's really important. So I see this as a complementary role. It was very interesting what the chair said at the beginning of this committee, which is that this committee is a critical friend. And I think this is a very effective way for the committee to be able to engage. And there may be something which is coming up here, which... Uh, is a gap which uh, may be of uh, interest to the leadership group, which may impinge upon the policy formulation or the strategy. And therefore, very helpful, I think, for this committee through this process to say, well, um, we think this is something that uh, may be an issue. Could you look at this? So I think it's entirely complementary. And I think by tying it into the resolution of the council uh, to have this responsibility to advise government, about how progress is going on, I think that that's a very appropriate thing. So I think this is a good model, and uh, I would certainly recommend it. Are you content, Councillor Stora? Uh, I have a follow-up question, if I, if oh. I may. Okay. Well, in the interest of efficiency and effectiveness, could, would that mean, and thank you for your answer, by the way, I don't disagree with it at all, would it be or might it be appropriate, at least on occasion, for this committee then to report back to the Corporate Overview Board if they have a more hands-on approach as to addressing issues as they crop up rather than let it go through to Cabinet, Executive or, or whatever else? Thank you. Yeah, um, I think that um, the way in which the scrutiny um, carries out its function. Um, uh, and the issues that we're dealing with um, should be dealt with in a uh, appropriate to that particular issue. So there may be a matter which is um, goes to the heart of the matter which uh, scrutiny wants to draw to the attention of cabinet. There may be matters which uh, um, are more appropriately uh, forwarded through to leadership group. And overall, the corporate overview board has to keep a handle on what's happening across the piece. So I think the corporate overview board is going to. Um, be uh, advised about that. There may be issues. You might come along to, to me and say, well, actually, um, there's a very specific operational point here which we think should be attended to. Um, and, and that's simply a matter of uh, passing that information to Stephen. And Stephen's team addresses it. You know, that there may be a very specific thing. We don't need to go through all the bureaucracy and, and use up uh, member time uh, or senior officer time. So I think it depends upon what the issue is. And I think you could be reassured there's a formal process if you feel that you need to uh, employ it. And there's an informal process, which, uh, which is also going to be uh, constructive. Thank you very much indeed for your answer.
Pleasure. Are there any other members who wish to raise questions to Mr. Payne or to Council Revenues on these, this item? Right, thank you. Um, most of the questions I had in my mind have been asked by other members, which I'm always very grateful for. Mr. Payne, if I may, however, two very quick questions for you. Uh, you referred in your opening remarks to the Council being an intelligent client. Would you care to elaborate on that a little? Sure. Um, yeah, so those principles are very much advocated by government. Uh, so the Infrastructure and Projects Authority have adopted those principles, and most of them, um, I think, self-explanatory. Uh, um, intelligent client um, is essentially it's about dialogue and trust. That's really what it's about. And it's building trust-based relationships with stakeholders. Uh, and you know, the closest stakeholder, of course, is officers working together with you as members. But um, we heard earlier about the history group in Great Chesterford. Uh, we've got a whole range of different uh, groups that we're engaging with. So we need to build trust with all of those people that we want to have their views uh, to help us do this work. So that's important. But also, um, I think it's really important in terms of other partners. So um, the planning review group, for instance, the peer review group really highlighted in their presentations to you about all of the other strategic partnerships which surround us, you know, the Cambridge Art, Greater Cambridge, uh, North Essex, you know, there are a plethora of these groups. And so, again, we need to build trust and a relationship with those other places as well. Um, so, intelligent client really is just recognising the complexity of what we're dealing with and building trust and understanding what the needs of our customers or our, sorry, our, our users or uh, beneficiaries of what we're doing are. And we're doing that through a really effective community engagement process. And when Stephen comes to introduce um, some of the other uh, papers on your report. Uh, there's some really innovative stuff which this council is considering doing, which we're putting to you um, in our reports. So I think it's a really exciting opportunity to do that and to be an intelligent client to get a really good outcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Final question. Um, members, members of the public, There's been quite a lot of expression about concerns that we get project management right. The risk of shameless flattery, Mr. Payne, I'm aware you have a very distinguished career in CV. It might be helpful if you were to outline some of your experience to us, and also perhaps how you intend to go about the process of project management and to engage various stakeholders. Uh, sort of a holistic answer. We've, we've drilled down into individual specifics now, but perhaps you could sort of summarise and encapsulate the approach for us. Yeah. But, but first of all, please give us some background on yourself. And please, I don't think this is a time for modesty and understatement. Well, uh, I'll just be factual. Uh, so um, I started at a very young age. I've uh, been uh, working with local authorities for 46 years. Um, and I tend to work in a place and uh, I really then don't leave. Uh, I become so uh, committed to, uh, to uh, what I'm doing at those places. Um, so um, I'm, I'm very much committed to getting uh, 
best practice and high quality provision. Um, I'm a chartered town planner. I have a master's degree with distinction from Aston uh, Business School. Um, I'm a fellow of the Chartered Management Institute. Um, I have been on the regional board for a number of years. Um, I'm also, I've provided advice to the mayor of Heidelberg in Germany on uh, smart city visions. I spent uh, 14 years working uh, in Birmingham City Council, quite a varied career, uh, quite a lot of project delivery. I was in charge of the planning compulsory purchase order program there. I worked for 16 years at Stratford-on-Avon District Council, which is very, very similar in character to uh, Uttlesford as a fantastic historic town, which is very similar to the historic towns that Saffron Walden and other places in our district. So I understand growth and people's expectations about high quality growth and how we manage that. Uh, I delivered three pedestrian priority schemes where I was the lead officer. So that was a project management construction project. Um, and then I moved across for 11 years. I was director of environment at Cambridge City Council, responsible for 380 staff. Um, and uh, a range of projects that I was involved in there. Uh, mostly less project management because I had uh, a managing staff. Uh, the one project which I did lead on a project management side was a £7 million shared service arrangement with South Cams on waste collection. So um, there's plenty of experience um, that uh, I have had. Um, and what I draw from that experience is how important it is for officers and members that work together for there to be trust. So in terms of what we've just been discussing, you know, we have the most fantastic methodology, uh, technically brilliant, but uh, actually if there isn't a constructive dialogue going on and, and trust between officers and members, it won't work. And the other thing which I've learned, and I think this is a really important point in Cambridge, was the strength of partnership working where it's done correctly. So Cambridge um, City had a very constructive uh, relationship with other local authorities in its county. county. Uh, often they were doing political cues uh, and so on. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Chair, but we have a problem actually with the speech actually coming from uh, Simon, which is a shame because we're not hearing all. Uh, Try again, Simon. Thank you for that, Councillor Mikhail. Okay, well, I'll sort some out. I'm going on too long. So, um, uh, so what I learned, as I said, was about trust between officers and members uh, and also about the relationship with key partners because we are not completely masters of our own destiny as a district. And there are lots of other people that can help us achieve our objectives. So what matters to people now? Health, for instance, is going to be very important. Education, um, transport, and so we need others to help us to get a really successful outcome. So that's what I bring to this project, and I really welcome the opportunity to be able to do that. This is a great place with great ambition and uh, a real opportunity to do some really fantastic world-class stuff here, I think. Well, thank you very much indeed, Mr. Payne. Um, do any other members wish have any observations or comments they wish to make? No, I'm not seeing anybody. So we've spent a lot of time on this, but really this is the very root of a successful plan. Making sure that things stay on track and on time. And a number of probing questions have been asked, both of the portfolio holder and the relevant officers. 
I feel comfortable that we can recommend with enthusiasm this project management proposal to Cabinet. Um, would other members be in agreement with that? So, can I have a proposal for a motion that we uh, recommend this to Cabinet for approval? I recommend it to, to, to Cabinet. Thank you, Councillor Cat. May I have a seconder? I'll second it, uh, Fight there between Councillor Driscoll and Councillor Coote. I'll take Councillor Driscoll on this occasion. Uh, please don't take it personally, Councillor Coote. Uh, all those in favour? I think that's unanimous. So, thank you very much indeed, Mr Payne, Mr Glendale, uh, Mr Miles. That has been a very, very, very interesting and informative discussion. We're now going to move on to the second substantive item on the agenda, which is the Local Plan Project Initiation document. Mr Payne, are you introducing this, or is it Mr Miles or Mr Glendale? I think it's Mr. Mars, I think. Stephen, you? Steve? Uh, yes. Thank you, uh, thank you Chair. Thank you, Chair. Um, so, I mean, much of what uh, Mr. Payne has discussed in uh, the final item, cover first, uh, covers um, the, the issues here. Project initiation document is the first of three documents, first of three process type documents before you today. Um, which have been before local plan leadership group um, a week or so ago, and you've seen earlier versions of uh, late in August. The, the documents um, following the meetings in August have been updated to take into account um, uh, the views of the peer review team and to ensure that we are, as best as we can, taking into account the potential changes to the planning system through the white paper, um, yes, yeah, so it, it's a process type document. It is to go on to, um, to, to Cabinet on the 20th for agreement. Um, and yes, welcome, welcome any comments and we'll want to answer any questions. Councillor Cruciani, over to you. Thank you very much, Jim. Um, this, is, this is the area where I have sort of the most substantive comments and, and questions and to some extent some concerns. So if I can take members to page 12 of our agenda reports, it's paragraph 3.16, uh, our organogram of sorts. Um, I want to talk and I want to ask questions around procedure, decision-making and constitutionality. I think that's something which we should hold a great sort of sense of priority. Um, that's the basis on which we operate. So... You know, you'll have no doubt heard the saying, if it, if it walks like a duck and, and so on, um, and it's probably a duck. Um, I think I'm finding in practice and the views shared by many members that what's written down in that organogram um, isn't actually playing out in practice. Um, so I have a question for the Cabinet member on that line. What then would you say, uh, Councillor Evans, if I put forward the notion that the local plan leadership group is turning out in practice to be a decision-making body in itself uh, and that it's some sort of separate executive whose apparent responsibilities it is to formulate and prepare a local plan, even if that responsibility is earmarked on the organogram for the executive. I have further questions to that, but as an initial kind of question, I, I hope you might be able to ask comment. 
Um, I'm not quite sure why you might feel that that is the case on the basis of what's um, gone on, to, what's happened to date, I, I have to say. Um, the, the LPLG, uh, I think, has acted as a review body and is simply there to make recommendations. Uh, I, don't see what they, I don't see that the work that they have been asked to undertake uh, is effectively um, is translated into an executive role. Um, but equally, of course, there has to be a group, a membership group of some sort or another, in this case LPLG, uh, who, uh, which is going to be spending the time and uh, has the time resource available to look at things in detail. I'm, I'm not quite sure where there might be an where there might be an issue or a problem arising in, in, in that respect. So perhaps if, if there's something that concerns you particularly, then uh, um, perhaps I can think about that and uh, consider it. But I'm not uh, well, I, I mean, that's uh, thank you. Um, so the, the notion that I've just put forward wasn't my original. Um, this is something that's been brought to my attention in conversations with the Centre for Public Scrutiny. They've expressed their concern that a working group of Cabinet, in this case the local plan leadership group, has effectively no basis in the Constitution in the way that it's currently operating. And the main question there is, why isn't the chair of that, why is the chair of the committee a backbench councillor? That's a horrible term, but a backbench councillor. Um, and why isn't the chair of the committee the cabinet member for planning? It seems appropriate that if this is a working group of the executive and that it's the executive's role to spearhead and put forward a local development plan for council to approve, uh, why then is there, isn't there that relationship with the executive member outside of you attending and I know you do contribute to that meetings but it is are we happy as a scrutiny committee I guess I would ask fellow members but also I'd ask you are you happy that that's formal enough um, for your liking uh, can I can I just interject there for a second please councillor Cruciani um councillor Evans councillor Cruciani has asked some very interesting questions um, we're all happy that the project management side of this activity is now well founded but I think, like Councillor Cruciani, um, I still find page 12 a little bit baffling. And I think Councillor Cruciani's got some very good points that need answering, and perhaps both you and Councillor Stora could address them. Uh, no, no, indeed, uh, Chairman and uh, Councillor Cruciani. I, I, uh, very um, proper and fair comments and questions, I think. Um, in relation to the chairing of the LPLG, uh, the decision had been taken quite some time ago that uh, I, or whoever is the portfolio holder, should not chair that particular group in order that there should be a degree of check and balance, if I can put it that way, between the LPLG so that they are able to express views independently, uh, given that the chairman is not executive, that they are able to express views and undertake work independently of the administration, so as to provide that additional um, distinction, as it were, between the, between the administrative function and, uh, and, the mem and the membership at large. So that was the philosophical reason for that. 
having said that, uh, of course, it is the case that in many uh, local authorities, uh, the portfolio holder chairs, and chairs the equivalent of this particular uh, body. So to that extent, I think we're probably um, uh, more unusual than usual. Uh, but the reason for that is, as I've just explained, uh, in terms of my um, attendance at that meeting, I, I attend. I'm not there um, uh, simply as a silent cipher. Uh, the original proposal was that I might be there to answer questions raised by the leadership group, but that was not acceptable uh, to me. Uh, and uh, for that reason, the terms of reference for the leadership group were amended so that I have the right uh, not only to be there and answer questions, but actually formulate matters on my, uh, my, my questions of my own volition and uh, provide, I hope, um, a bit of a positive uh, input to the extent required. Um, and uh, uh, so um, that that really is uh, how I how I came to approach the uh, the structure of that body. Um, but uh, granting it, of course the respect that it is entitled to have uh, as a membership body. Where I think uh, members of this committee welcomed your divergence from the work that the LGA peer review team did um, was in the use of meetings in private or, or the establishment of meetings in private as a principle. That was successfully batted away by you as an executive and that was most welcome, I think, across the board. In speaking to the LGA peer review team, I think it would be fair to say that they were perplexed or indeed interested to know why we diverged from their proposal that you would chair that committee. And you provided me with a, a response there uh, just now. One thing that would concern me from what you said is that, I mean, it's, it, we are unusual, as, as you said, and I, you know, I welcome innovation. And ultimately, third time around, I think we need to try something a little bit different. Um, you've been elected, I, I think, to do that. Um, but I would be careful in treading the line between what is different and what is um, sort of constitutionally correct. Um, it's your working group as a, as a cabinet member. And I feel at the moment, um, from having a look at the way that the meetings are and having a look at the organogram sort of in practice, that there is a disconnection. I hate to use the word a bit on the side because I know that has very negative conversations in other environments. Um, but at the moment, this cabinet working group feels like a bit on the side, um, and, and that, I think, concerns me. Um, I don't think that there's a question in there, so there's no need to come back unless you really want to. Um, but I, I've absolutely sort of noted your, your comments and your justifications. But I guess this is just a case of sucking it and seeing what actually happens in practice as we progress. Uh, thank you very much indeed, Councillor Cristiani. Uh, forgive me, Councillor Stora. Um, Councillor Cristiani is extremely polite. I'm going to be slightly less polite do you think LPLG understands its tasks and remits, may I ask you? Do you have observations on the remarks Councillor Evans has just made? On the basis of our last meeting, Chair, uh, the answer is clearly no. Anyone who, who listened to that could say so. The classic example being project management, where, as I implied earlier, a couple of members felt uh, that they should be, we as a group, should be embracing that which I can fully understand, given that we're getting into the, the nitty-gritty now, exactly what we're doing. 
which is why I would, in a way, I've got the question to, to Mr. Payne about um, the, the reference to the roles, remits and responsibilities of these various organisations to what exactly should, they should be doing. I think the clarification tonight on project management is extremely helpful. There may still be some overlap between what this committee does and the leadership group does. I think that might, if it's not addressed by officers in the first instance, and which I think will be actually very helpful if they can anticipate the types of issues that might uh, crop up and then put that forward uh, with a suggestion as to which body it be dealt with. Uh, say, in the first instance, the chair and vice chair of those two organisations. That would be very helpful. But apart from that, yeah, things are, things are moving forward. If I may, Chair, at some point, not necessarily now, I'd like to come back to, to Councillor Cristioni as well, but I'm in your hands on. Well, feel, feel, feel free, now is good. This is a very fruitful line of inquiry. Um, I can understand Councillor Christiani's concern, question, because it's all about responsibility. But I think with that responsibility, which is kept in the reins throughout the process, it becomes, I can't say little, it becomes extremely incestuous. As I've experienced times gone by with um, various working groups, um, one in particular I can think of, where you'd have very senior mem uh, members, cabinet holders, agreeing things, and then taking it forward to cabinet. Now, that's not happening here. It automatically got approved elsewhere, but here now, no, it's subject to, dare I say, scrutiny. I would hope it would be anyway. Yes, the leadership group makes recommendations and it, it will be doing that after having considered and chewed over in detail various documents. And in some instances, I would hope and expect that this committee would also chew over, not the, not the recommendation, but how the mechanics as to how that uh, recommendation has been reached. I think that would be quite legitimate and to be accepted. But then that goes forward to cabinet, um, cabinet which won't have the same amount of time to objectively discuss and consider these particular issues. Then it goes before them with um, what they would expect to be a recommendation based on logic. You would also have at that time, again, I would hope and accept. Uh, concerned by this committee, if it felt that to be the case. So then it would fall to the hands of, of Cabinet to make that decision. Because don't forget, the exception here as well is that this committee is pre-scrutiny committee. It won't be acting, or hopefully not anyway, after the event. It will have the opportunity to influence the outcome. At the same time that um, the leadership group does it, so it will be in the hands of the cabinet then to determine what the right way forward will be. I, I hope that's I hope that's fine. Again, but I, don't know if it's... I hope you've helpful, Christian. And that's my take 
on this subject as to how we'll retain um, Sorry, objectivity, I think, uh, no, as opposed no, to any, it, any potential it, bias, it, any potential, uh, or I'm too, um, I'm, I'm already with that, phone. it's part of me, I can't let go. That, that, that's certainly very helpful. I think that provides me with a, a, an adequate response. Um, the, the, the simplification, I guess, yeah, of, of yeah, my, um, my, my kind of question arising is, do you think that there is scope in future? Should we go down the line and see that things aren't working out in practice um, in relation to that relationship between the LPLG and the cabinet member, that the cabinet member might become a member of the LPLG? Um, that would create that yeah, yeah. sort of cooperation and that link between the cabinet that I, I am foreseeing not being there at the moment. I'd like to be positive and say that it won't happen in what you said. Um, but in, in the back of your mind, is that something that you might consider? Um, I, I appreciate, yeah, actually, that's probably a question for um, Councillor Evans or Councillor uh, Lodge. But um, I think that we need to keep an eye and we need to monitor the relationship between the LPLG and the executive, and that might just yeah. be one way of increasing yeah. that link. That would be a matter for Council Lodge's decision, and it is something which was considered before, because initially Councillor Evans uh, was going to be a part of this yeah. group, yeah. and he determined that it, okay. it wasn't All appropriate. Right. And I can okay. understand that, I appreciate that. I could see the logic, the, the degree of separation, again, the objectivity, which... Personally, I welcome, but that's never say never. We are going to review this. The intention is to review how we, this governance is working on a six-monthly basis. So what will come out of that, I can't foretell. Councillor Cruciani, any further questions? I do, uh, Chair. So the, the, the ex the concern actually has been borne out of uh, Councillor Storer's contribution slightly earlier was actually this consideration of an overlap between us as a scrutiny committee and the local plan leadership group. That's still something that concerns me. Ultimately, we see the same paperwork that the local plan leadership group does. Um, are, are we, and I guess this is a question to members of the scrutiny committee, are we comfortable in what we're doing and what we're looking at? You know, we're looking at, I'd like to think, procedures and, and how this progress is being made as opposed to um, making the progress ourselves. Um, I don't think that's abundantly clear in the paperwork, but I think we will get it. It's just, is there a way we can shore up that clarification? That's a remarkably good question. Um, Councillor Stora, how do we avoid your committee and this committee tripping over each other? This, this, thank you, Chair, for the opportunity. This is what I think I implied or suggested to Mr Payne earlier on, I would welcome the involvement of officers. Now, given where we are, we, we have put one, um, one item in the box tonight, project management in the remit of, of your committee, that's fine. What about everything else? Do we know exactly the kind of tasks that will be involved? And if so, uh, can we determine Someone, it's academic as to who it was, I, I can't remember, and it 
the subject matter might also uh, be of no consequence, but there was a, a fear of repetitions. But there again, this committee is a scrutiny committee. It goes and looks in detail at things that have been dealt with already. Now, to me, that's repetitious. Into more detail, but still the same thing. I don't have an issue with that, personally, provided that your committee, in your view, was comfortable that doing that was appropriate. I would think that, I would expect that, the leadership groups, as I think I've said a few minutes ago, recommendation would be its recommendation and beyond your scrutiny. But how that recommendation was reached, as I said, the mechanics of how um, the group has assessed potential development sites or potential development strategies, whether it's utilised too few or too many criteria, whether it's given things the wrong weighting, it should have been different, that would certainly be, in my view, well within your remit. But things like that, if possible, could be ironed out at the front, if possible, so that we, we know where we're going. That would be my view. Thank you. I'm aware Councillor Coote has a particular interest in this field, so perhaps now would be a good time to invite him to comment. And then perhaps uh, Mr. Glenday, Mr. Miles, or Mr. Payne, as they think fit, can uh, comment on how we <coughs> address these potential issues. Thank you, Chair. I, um, once again, um, Councillor Criscoli and I discussed this at the pre-meeting when he used the word unconstitutional. Obviously, in my view, and I've checked this out, it would have been unconstitutional for the cabinet member to have actually chaired this. Uh, and it's the opposite of what he is implying. Now, I did say this at the pre-meeting, Chris. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, looking at governance, it's the right way round. It's the only way round for me anyway. I certainly would have voted against it uh, the other way round and would have questioned it uh, thoroughly. For me, I think uh, when you look at our constitution, it's quite simple. I mean, previous plans, I have to say, I believe they were unconstitutional as it was pointed out many times in those two plans uh, meetings up the road when I was there listening uh, for, uh, for me, for a leader to make decisions and report to himself is the wrong way round. Uh, and that's the way it would have turned out in this one if we'd have allowed uh, that to have happened, not with our leader, but the leader of the cabinet position. So constitutional is something that I'm very, very interested in, governance also. And I think the governance on this is exactly right. As far as Councillor Storer's point about um, sort of talking through who looks at what, I don't think his, uh, the leadership of his committee and the committee does, does anywhere near the same role that we should be constitutional. He should make, his committee is making recommendations to the executive uh, and we look at all that before it goes back. You don't stop halfway constitutionally as a committee scrutiny and I believe in pre-scrutiny, as I've always said, we should be looking at that before anything goes back, anything at all, in my view, uh, to the executive. And that doesn't matter where it's coming from, Mr. Uh, sorry, Councillor Storer's committee or any other committee. So we've got it the right way around. I think um, we're actually revisiting with respect, the greatest respect to uh, Councillor Curley, things that we've dealt with before. We decided this was the right way around. We said this is the way we were going to go. And for me... I think, uh, through you, Chair, we are actually going over old ground. 
Can I come back, Jim? Of course you can. I, I appreciate what you're saying there, Camp Councillor Coo. The problem is I have to look at what paperwork we're trying to review as a scrutiny committee here on the evening. And this project initiation document is key in setting out the roles and responsibilities of individual groups. So my, my line of questioning is based in the documentation before us. Um, in terms of, uh, I will come back to constitutionality because I think it's a point we have to get completely right here. Where does the local plan leadership group get its power? It's not just a group on its own. It's been formed as a cabinet working group, a working group of the executive. So therefore, it has, it should have a direct line to the executive. If it operates as a separate entity, that is unconstitutional. And the concerns that I've raised, or I've tried to raise in my questions this evening, centre around the possibility, and it, you know, it hasn't happened yet, but it's a concern of mine that it will happen, that they will act outside of any executive oversight. I, I, I think that's as clear as I can be on that particular point, Chair. Thank you. Um, I'm aware there are other members who wish to speak, but I'm sure members will appreciate this is a so very important point. Um, Councillor Evans, can I just intervene for a second? And Page 12 of the document pack, the lovely multicoloured picture... Um, it's not entirely sure how the system ticks. You know, what does the Corporate Overview Board do? Do you sit on it? Does it report to you in some way? Do you see its minutes? Um, page 13 says the project sponsor is the chief executive. We were led to believe the joint project sponsors were the chief executive and the leader. So he, he, here's my essential question, which I think touches on both what Councillor Cook's been pointing out and what Councillor Christiani has been going on. As the executive member for the portfolio holder for this, how do you keep the whole show on the road? How do you know what's going on and what discussions the chief executive is having at the project at the corporate overview board? How do you know that if the leader isn't a joint project sponsor, that the leader is fully briefed? How do you make sure that you're on the same page as those two senior individuals and that the instructions being given to officers accord both with administrative efficiency and with policy? Thank you for uh, those um, questions. They're absolutely um, uh, very important and very interesting questions. Um, and uh, uh, I have to say that um, things... Uh, have been dealt with uh, and I think will continue to be dealt with um, not by way of minute, not by way of minuted discussions and briefings so far as I am concerned as the portfolio holder uh, but just as a matter of perhaps I could just take a couple of minutes just to describe how things work in practice as it were uh, there is a uh, frequent meeting held uh, between uh, me and actually uh, Councillor Storer as well, uh, with uh, with um, uh, Mr. Miles, uh, Mr. Payne, uh, and Mr. Glenday. So it's a multi-party uh, agreement, agreement. Um, a multi-party meeting that we uh, have, and that's uh, in the diary. That happens uh, every fortnight, um, and we meet sometimes more frequently that than that on discrete uh, issues. Uh, as between myself and the leader, uh, we have our own 
one-to-one uh, briefings uh, as well, uh, I alone with him, and uh, he also to, uh, has a briefing uh, with me and with council, Councillor Stora in addition. Uh, so that's how uh, we, we work, as it were. So far as the Corporate Overview Board is concerned, I am not a member of that uh, board. That board is uh, made up of um, our Chief Executive, uh, Mr. Harborer, um, and uh, our three principal uh, senior officers, as it were, Mr. Glenday, uh, Mr. Miles, uh, and Mr. Payne, uh, and other um, members, uh, uh, sorry, other, uh, uh, other officers are uh, invited to that on an ad hoc basis. Uh, but also uh, Graham Thomas, who's the uh, senior planning uh, officer at Essex County Council, also participates in, in, that, uh, in that meeting. Um, so that's how it uh, works. That, oh, that body, by the way, meets uh, weekly. Uh, so, uh, it's uh, a fairly uh, fluid arrangement in terms of um, um, minuting of things, um, but um, we, speak, uh, we speak a lot and, of course, email a lot. Thank you. Um, Councillor Coote, you're our governance expert. Are you happy with that? Uh, well, I'm not, uh, as you know, I'm not happy with um, the interpretation Councillor Crescoli has put in constitutionally on. What I am happy with is what uh, Councillor Evans has, has explained. Um, what I, I do echo your question, though. We as a scrutiny committee were told, uh, to my understanding, that the joint uh, position of this would be overseen by the Leader of the Council and the Chief Executive. It seems to me that uh, that's got lost in interpretation or else it's been put to one side. Or perhaps the scrutiny committee got it wrong. No one has ever answered that question fully to me, and I still stand by it. Uh, my own view is that constitutionally, well, what the constitution says is the right way round. Now, obviously, put it in a crude way, the chief executive is the person who signs the checks, so they, she is a sponsor in finance only. I believe that the uh, leader of the council, it doesn't matter about whether it was um, Councillor Lodge, or if there was some other party there. For me, I would always say constitutionally they should sit at the table. Um, and that's my final interjection on it, really. Uh, Councillor Lodge, probably time for you to make an intervention. Yes, certainly. Well, Councillor Evans has spoken about uh, the various meetings that he has with, with officers. Uh, then he's also talking about our one-to-one -one regular meetings the regular meetings with Councillor Stora and Councillor Evans and myself. So there we have information flowing up and down that line. As you know, the Chief Executive is a member of that Corporate Overview Board. Um, so information will flow up and down that line. And then the Chief Executive and myself in more normal times have been having weekly meetings to uh, to review any items of issue and the plan would certainly come up as one of those items in the current crisis we've actually been meeting daily so i feel pretty comfortable with that flow and that oversight um, just to be clear are you one of the project sponsors or are you not please leader that's 
actually a very good question. I would like to think that I am. Uh, whether technically that's been put in the documentation, I don't know. Maybe uh, Councillor Evans can, can say whether formally that is the case. But absolutely, certainly, I see myself as a sponsor. Thank you. Um, Councillor Cristioni, Councillor Coote, do you have any more observations to make? I realise that other members are very keen to speak and we've um, taken up a lot of their time. Councillor Driscoll, you're next. Do you wish to go now or would now be prudent to have a brief adjournment? Can't hear you, Councillor Driscoll. Sorry, Chair. Um, it's just uh, an interpretation of um, a statement made on the form. I'm just trying to get it back again. 13, uh, sorry, paragraph 3, 3.1. The local plan relates to the whole of the district and will cover the period up to 2040. Now, I may have this wrong, but I believe that we have to review this every five years. I'm not quite sure who's going to give me an answer. I think that's one for Mr Glenday. Um, well, yeah, we will be reviewing it every, every five years. So, I mean, that's, I mean, what we're looking at, this is the plan period up to 2040. But, yeah, every every five years will be a, a review of the policy to make sure that the policy is still relevant in terms of national policy, member objectives, etc. So, I hope that clarifies that. So, does that mean that in five years after initial um, agreement, if something needs updating, we will be allowed to do it? Or do we need to take it to government? No, no, no. We, 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 obviously, what we would intend to do is have a new plan adopted in fact, within four to five years. But basically, as soon as we have the plan adopted, we will start on a review process because it's a continuous process to make sure that things are up to date. So we wouldn't have to go back to government to get approval for that, no. So we can make changes as and when we, we see fit to do so? As long as we go through the statutory local plan process, yeah. Okay, thank you. We're coming up to... Anything more, Councillor Driscoll? No, I was just going to say thank you, Chair. Uh, we're coming up to nine o'clock, so I need your consent to continue with the meeting over two hours. Do I have that? Thank you. Uh, Councillor Sell, you're up next, but can I suggest we have a brief adjournment for a comfort break? Um, it's 5-2. Can we be back at 5 past, please? Thank you very much indeed. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. 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 Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Cast. Please, Claire, thank you very much indeed. Um, welcome back from that brief adjournment. This is the 7th of October meeting of Uttlesford Scrutiny Committee considering local plan issues. We are on item number three on the agenda, local plan project initiation document uh, in the middle of members' discussion and councillor cell is next to speak. Councillor Sell. Thank you, Chair. I think we all agree that this local plan is vital that we get it right. Uh, we've been working on it now for 13 years or so. We've had two failed attempts, and it's my view that in the process of those 13 years, we've lost the trust of many residents. So everything that we do should be towards ensuring that we get a sound plan. So it's a bit worrying that Councillor Lodge didn't know whether he was a sponsor or not and comments about the Corporate Oversight Board. I'd just like to say that I have had the pleasure of working with let me, let me just interrupt on a point of uh, order there. I certainly feel myself to be the sponsor. I feel responsible for it. If you recall and listen to what I said, I said, look, technically, whether I'm down there as a sponsor. So um, splitting those hairs is not terribly useful. Well, I think it is, it is well, it's a difference of opinion. I think, I think people really need the reassurance of knowing not technically whether actual is the case, but I'd like to move on. I have had the pleasure of working with Councillor Storer in the past, and I know that his qualities, and I do agree with Councillor Coote that I think we have got the right things the right way around. We've got the right person for the job, and it's vital that whoever it is retains the confidence of the administration. I do share, to some extent, Councillor Crisioni's views regarding the links between the leadership group and this committee. I think the acid test that we have to ask ourselves all the time, and I think we will be, hopefully, given feedback from Councillor Storer and Councillor Evans, for my part, is are we adding value to the process? If we are not adding value, then we should query what we're doing. What I believe is that we mustn't duplicate the work of the leadership group because what I don't want to see is any significant delays in getting this local plan, a sound local plan, adopted, because I'm conscious, like we all are, about the number of speculative planning applications whilst we work on the process. So I think a 
communication between the local plan leadership group, ourselves, the council, and the residents is vital. And so we're all working, I hope, towards the same end, that we all want a sound local plan. And anything that detracts from that has to be challenged. So those are my views, Chair. Thank you. Sorry, I forgot to unmute myself. Councillor Storer, you wish to make an observation. Uh, yes, please, Chair. I, I wanted to respond briefly to a question from Councillor Christiani, who posed it uh, a few minutes ago. I think it's where does leadership group get its power? And my response to that was going to be it doesn't have any power on the basis that it cannot and does not make decisions. All it makes is recommendations. That is what I was going to say in answer to that question. But then I found, Councillor Christian, that I'm wrong. My understanding of the word power is not what, um, uh, not the dictionary def definition. So I will clarify it accordingly. The, the definition I unearthed is this, the ability or capacity to do something or act in a particular way. And the group's Power, in those terms, is it's awarded by the executive. It's as simple as that. And then I revert to uh, no decision-making, only recommendations. I hope that you're satisfied with that, uh, Councillor. My apologies for, uh, for mixing that up, but that was my take on your question. Thank you. Um, thank you very much, Councillor Stora. Councillor Evans, Councillor Lodge... Councillors Christiani, Coote, Stora, Sell and myself have all zeroed in on, effectively, paragraph 3.16, page 12 of this document. Um, I venture to suggest that we all, in our own separate ways, have problems with what one might describe as the wooliness of the accountability and responsibilities laid down in that document. Now, we're now very, very happy with the process for project management, but I don't think we're happy with the process for project governance. And in particular, from my perspective, I'm not at all sure what happens inside the black box of the Corporate Overview Board, and I'm not at all sure who the Corporate Overview Board reports to. Does it report to... The chief exec, as the document says, does it report to the chief executive and the leader, as we've been led to believe. Project management is an integral part of the success of this local plan. So are very, very clear lines of authority and accountability. And I'm not at all sure you've convinced us as yet that there is absolute clarity in that. So please tell me where I've got it wrong and where my colleagues on this committee have got it wrong. Um, perhaps I'll go uh, first then. Um, I, I don't think it's a case of um, you getting it wrong. It's a case at, at all. Um, uh, I think it's a case of us needing to um, document and evidence uh, that that actually is 
how it works and that it is efficient and uh, effective. Um, perhaps I can offer to bring back to you a paper uh, at the next uh, scrutiny meeting, just in, in, in um, not words of one syllable at all, but just in a uh, confirmatory way, explaining how things actually do work in practice so that um, we can be sure that this governance diagram actually is put into effect um, on a day-to-day -day or week-to-week -week basis. Um, would that offer be uh, helpful, uh, Mr Chairman? I think it would be. Would other members uh, find that helpful? Yeah, I'm seeing signs of assent there. Um, Mr Harborough, you wanted to make an observation. Yeah, so the question was asked, you know, what's the remit of the Corporate Overview Board? It's chaired by the Chief Executive because the Chief Executive is has overall responsibility for the advice that officers give to members. So it's a vehicle for uh You've frozen, Mr. Harborough. Am I still You're you're back now, thank I'm you. I'm back now, yes, I'm not quite sure what happened there. Um yeah, so it, it's the vehicle for ensuring that uh members are getting um robust advice which has been advice which has been informed by the views of a range of officers who have respective roles in respect of uh, the preparation of the plan. And that distilled advice, who signs off on it and to whom is it provided? So if I can give an example of what, something that happens on a routine basis, that all reports to the local plan leadership group go through the Corporate Overview Board. So the Corporate Overview Board um, uh, will review those reports. Uh, I mean, in terms of ModGov, it, it'll be an individual officer who uh, releases that report, but on the basis of a previous discussion in the Corporate Overview Board. Okay. And the Corporate Overview Board advises Cabinet and advises the Council, which are the decision-making bodies in these matters. So where is the check on the output from that? Clearly it goes through the project sponsor, but what's your understanding of who the project sponsor is? Is it the Chief Executive or is it the Chief Executive and the Leader as joint project sponsors? I agree, it's jointly the, the leader and the chief executive, but they have distinctive roles oh, in, in terms of project, project sponsorship. Thank you very much indeed. Um, do other members have any observations or comments they wish to make? Only chair that in that case, perhaps under or over officer project sponsor on page 13, we have member project sponsor, the leader. I think that would... That would sort of finish that off once and for all. I think you're right there. Um, we spent a considerable amount of time on this item too, and rightly so. Are members content that we can recommend this to Cabinet subject to the clarifications which Councillor Criscioni has just made and Mr Harbour has made, and to the clarificatory document that Councillor Evans intends to bring forward. 
Do I have general assent to that? Do I have any dissent? Good, then I may have a proposer for that. Councillor Coote, thank you. A seconder? Councillor Driscoll, thank you. All those in favour? Good. Once again, unanimous. Did you get that, Chris, in terms of uh, what the motion was? Yes, Chair, I can pick that up easily enough. Thank you. Lovely. Thank you very much indeed. Well, those were the two major items on the agenda which required detailed scrutiny. Um, I venture to suggest to members that we may be able to dispose of the um, remaining business of the committee rather more promptly. Local development. Yeah, if I could just make a comment. Uh, my. Um whatever it's called, what gov has gone down, I cannot now access the agenda. So I'm afraid I'll just be a spectator. Uh, I'm sorry about that, uh, Councillor Driscoll. I don't really know what to suggest. Oh. No, I've, I've tried, uh, you know, done away with it, brought it back. I click on the agenda and it just will not appear. So uh, my memory is not as good as it used to be. I don't believe I had any points to pick up on these next bits, so I shall just sit here and listen. Very, very quickly, you can, you can perhaps get it through the council's normal website, Councillor Driscoll. I, I thought we had a problem with that uh, carrying a signal across earlier. <laughs> it's, only if it, it's only if the recording's playing in the background. As long as your recording isn't playing, it should be all right, because that's, that's the way I'm accessing it at the minute. Okay, in that case, then I'll try that. Thank you very much. Um, who wishes to introduce item four? Mr. Glenday, Mr. Payne? I, I can do this, thank you, Chair. Mr. Miles, thank you. So, um, again, the uh, local development scheme is uh, one of the documents that you have seen before in, in, in August. Um, in some ways, the local development scheme sets out the timetable. Could you and see that summarised at agenda page? Agenda page uh, 35, um, where you can see that the first stage of consultation is planned to be started in, in this month. And that will be kicking off with an inaugural meeting of the Community Stakeholder Forum uh, with a, a long consultation lasting until spring of next year, going across a number of different themes. Um, and we're looking to, so add a little bit of detail here for you, we're looking to engage in a, in a different and we think innovative way to encourage people who don't normally get involved in the planning system to feed their views in. We will then be using those views to, to draft up the, the local plan. Uh, the timetable as, as a whole has a, been a preferred options consultation in, in spring of 22, a pre-submission publication in, in spring of 23, and submission to the Secretary of State in the summer of 23, uh, planned for summer of 24. Of course, this is all subject to change uh, following uh, taking into account the risks discussed in, in the previous items relating to the white paper. Um, yes, so that's that's my button. Comments from members, Councillor Lecount. Very interesting what you said there. 
actually, um, because you said you'd be getting information about the design and the project things, about how we're going to do uh, the, the, the local plan. Uh, how will you actually achieve that? Can you just go through that to me in detail? How will you actually get that information? Is it coming from members, Joe Public, or, or consultants, please? Sure. So um, all of the above. I mean, the, the, the way that this first stage of consultation is planned to work is uh, a series of different themes. So on, um, like, where, where, how, what's your experience of living in the district? What's your experience of work in the district? All these different kinds of, of themes. And there'll be, each of these themes will have a four-week consultation kicked off by a uh, meeting of the community forum, where a uh, presentation will be given by a, a kind of an expert in that, in that area. The forum will discuss the, um, the issues, and that will then be um, kept uh, online for people who are to, to review when they're making their comments. We'll have a, a series of um, relatively easy to understand uh, questions to encourage those people in not more, uh, not the usual suspects kind of thing to, to get involved in the process. So it will be, what do you like about where you live? What, what would you want to see changed about where you live? What's, what's doing well? What's not going well? That kind of relatively simple questions. Okay, that's people that's, that's great. Thank you very much. That's fine, Stephen. I, I just wanted, how much involvement at this stage will you be going to the parish councils? Because... They are very, very integral in terms of what their, their, their residents feel. So, I mean, we all know if you went to somebody in the street and said, what would you like? He said, can I have a million pounds and uh, can I have this? And I hopefully I don't coach COVID-19. But uh, I understand that. But a little bit more concentrated in parish councils, town councils. Is that possible? Also, we will be asking town and parish councils to respond to these themes as well. They, they can use the, the, the questions that we are planning on, on setting out to, to, to get their response in. Like they can respond in whatever way they like. I mean, it's an open consultation. We want as many people to respond as possible to get their views, views across so that we can then use those views to, to draft up the plan with, with, with members. Thank you, Councillor Lecount. Thank you, Mr Miles. Councillor Sell. Thank you, Chair. I, I've been advising a group of residents here in Stansted about a major planning application. And what we've found is that certainly quite a few older residents are reluctant to use email. Uh, they prefer to submit it in letter form. And I, I'm going on and agree with Councillor Cont. That what I'd like to see us doing, I think most parishes in the district have newsletters, magazines. We have the link, which goes through every lucky box in Stansted. And so I think that I think that we need to use those parish magazines to get those people uh, we might not otherwise get through social media, and also to say. Your written comments by letter are are welcome.
not everyone will want to resort to email. It may make things more convenient for us, but we have to remember those people who have got a right to be consulted, have got a right to respond, and a right to respond in the way that's most appropriate for them. Thank you. Mr. Miles, any comments? Agree with, with everything Councillor Sal said. I mean, we will be accepting representations in whatever form people want to, to give them to us. Um, and yes, we local plan leadership group has talked about using um, uh, local channels, local newsletters, and, and magazines to make sure we get the message out to to as many people as possible. We want everyone, if possible, everyone in the district to respond. Although that's possibly a little bit too ambitious. I can see Mr. Glenday would like to make an observation. Sorry, just very quickly, Chair, just to let you know that myself and a couple of other officers are actually meeting with town and parish councils on Monday night. The local plan update is going to be on the agenda, and I will pick this up with them, because if we can get the town and parish councils to help us and spread the word, as it were, then we'll send a week to do that. So we're definitely looking to do that, but I'll be picking it up on Monday night, a special meeting with the town councils too. Thank you. Councillor Cooth and Councillor Driscoll, please. Yeah, um... Uh, Mr. Miles, uh, don't take this as a, a sort of criticism or it's just an observation. I think we have to be very careful with the questions that we ask. For instance, you said, what do you like about the district? What would you like to see about the district? And I think uh, when Councillor Comte uh, made the uh, funny remark about become a millionaire, I think that we mustn't raise expectations that uh, by saying that they would like it to stay exactly as it is, or else they'd like to get rid of Councillor Coote's home because he's in the way, or something like that. We can't, we must be, to be truthful, very realistic in the way we phase the questions and the way we box them and the way we get the answers, because else we'll raise expectations, and certainly in my own town and ward, everybody will be saying it's all OK, because we've told um, Mr Glenday and Mr Miles and anybody else who'd listen, we don't want any more houses, uh, we want... Uh, Four more roads coming in round the back of so and so, and it's all, so it's all all right. Don't go away and do something else with the plan. So, as a as a, an elected representative, I would be very very worried if we went forward and uh, expressed views that were very very simplistic. I don't uh, disagree with you at all. We should get as many people involved as possible. I too would uh, prefer that to be done uh, at a local level. Uh, because they're the people, the local councillors who have the uh, knowledge, uh, the expertise and certainly the um, the friendships in a way to, to do that. But I'm not excluding yourself, Mr Miles, or anybody else. But I do worry when I hear the uh, the way you put that over as though, well, you know, say what you want and we'll get it because we mustn't do that, I have to say. Mr Miles, any observations? Uh, yes, thank you. No, good, good points. I mean, the, the framing of the questions is important and we need to make sure that, uh, in, for example, in talking about the, the theme on housing or where you live, we need to make, help people understand that there is uh, a, a housing, there will be a housing requirement for the district. Thank you. We still don't know what that is at the moment. It's going to be very challenging. Um, and that, that, that's got to be in there to frame the question. Thank you. Councillor Driscoll? Thank you, Chair. Uh, I, so I agree with Councillor Sell and could whoever 
works out these questions actually send the district councillors a copy and they can make sure it gets into local magazines and news sheets. Um, I, for one, write for three out of the four villages in my ward and I'm quite happy to make sure it goes out in those. And I'm sure there are other district councillors out there that do the same and will be prepared to do the same. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Councillor Evans, then Councillor Cruciani, please. I'm sorry, just very briefly, uh, Chairman, just to say that um, I also attend the meetings which um, uh, Mr Glenday has referred to and uh, have at the last one, uh, again, supported the um, notion of trying to get as much involvement as possible uh, and get that message across to the third tiers. Uh, and uh, Councillor Day and I, uh, have written one letter already, that's the first one, but we'll be writing quarterly as well to each of the third tiers just to bring them up to date. Um, uh, Councillor Day in his capacity as the community's portfolio um, member um, so that uh, there is that additional member commitment over and above um, that which um, the members themselves will be um, uh, providing, uh, which is of course jolly welcome indeed. Thank you. Councillor Cruciani. Two uh, sort of relatively minor points. So page 35 of the agenda report, we've got the draft timetable. That doesn't marry up to the draft timetable that's set out on page uh, 14 of the agenda. So there's a slight discrepancy there. I don't know if that needs to be amended. I'm pretty sure it does. Um, the other thing that I had, which I'll completely forgot now because I was focusing on the first thing, uh, you'll have to forgive me, Chair. Ah, there is nothing in the in the risk register um, relating to government intervention. I know, you know, we we as a collective see it as a low risk at the moment, and we're going to do everything in our power to mitigate that. But it's still a risk, nevertheless. And just in looking at the timetable that was set out in the local development scheme. I think that we probably need to include it if we're looking at an adoption of July 24. Can you take those points for reference, please, Mr Lawrence? Uh, yes, it looks like there's a drafting error in the, in the timetable in the page. We, we can pick that up. Um, and, and yes, on the government intervention. I mean, I can, I can possibly provide some helpful information here. Because uh, we met with officials from the Ministry for Housing, Communities and Local Government, um, not last Friday, but Friday before that, I believe. Uh, yeah, 25th, I think. Um, and and we, we set out the timetable to two officials to um, in the light of the table uh, to, to help understand where, where they were coming from. They said that if we had submitted the, the plan to government by the time of the, the, the deadline, i.e. by December of 23, then government wouldn't be looking to intervene because it wouldn't achieve anything. It wouldn't, the, the purpose of intervention is to make councils which are dragging their feet uh, pick up the pace. And if we'd already submitted, we, we wouldn't, it wouldn't keep things up. Um, the, the key thing which they wanted to see um, from Arthur and, and other councils which don't have an update local plan is progress. So we set out to them how important the local plan was to the district, 
we, we set out all, all the work that the, the council was doing um, to, to move the, for, the plan forward as quickly as possible, and, and they were uh, happy to hear that. Um, so that's, I hope, a use, useful update. That's a very useful update. Useful. Um, do members have any more questions or observations they wish to make? Then would members be content to remit this to Cabinet and recommend its adoption by Cabinet um, subject to the minor clarifications that Mr Miles will make? Yep, I'm seeing assent. Councillor Sutton, would you propose that motion? Thank you. Councillor Sell, will you second it? Thank you. All those in favour? Yep, once again, uh, unanimous. Thank you very much indeed. Which takes us to... Stand of Community Involvement, draft for consultation. You again, Mr Miles? Yes, me again. Um, so this is, again, a, a document which you have seen before in, in August. The uh, statement of community involvement sets out how the council will consult on, on the local plan and, and on development management issues. Um, you can see a summary of, of the changes um, since the document you saw in August at agenda page 42, paragraph 7 of the report. Um, given, given this is about consultation, we, we probably, um, it is probably covered some, some of the issues already. Thank you. Um, members, questions, observations, comments? I'm not seeing any huge desire to engage with this particular item as it has been well discussed at local plan leadership group and seems uncontroversial. Can we then remit it directly to Cabinet? I just make one point, sorry, and I've done a lot of talking this evening. That's um, what we asked you to do. Go, a, go ahead. I, I look at sort of local plans around the country quite a lot in my professional life, and I tend to find that the information most readily available and easy to access is uh, that which is on its own separate website. Um, don't get me wrong, I like the Attlesford District Council website. I go on it quite a lot, uh, as you'd expect, being one of the councillors. Um, I know how to navigate it quite well. But when it comes to the local plan, the information is complex and there are so many different documents and so many different variations. I think it would be helpful, and I think, I'd think i like to think the local planning issue group could take this idea forward, um, is a separate local plan website. In my experience, it's been the easiest uh, way to work your way around the local plan if you have it readily and separately available in one of those. I would actually second that from Chris. I think that's a brilliant idea. I think because basically when you look at the Arthur website, it's very, very good, but very complicated. So I'm, I'm totally with you, Chris, whatever you want to do on that. Good, thank you. I think we need to do that. Excellent. Can we? Can you take that as an action point, please, Mr Miles? Stephen, you've frozen. Yes. Thank you. Uh, yes, sorry, no, I'm back. Yes. <laughs> You're back in the room. Um, one point that Councillor Caton made at Local Plan Leadership Group was he wasn't quite sure there was enough emphasis 
on consultation with the democratically accountable bodies such as parish and um, town councils. I think you might have addressed that by the um, forum you're having on Monday, Mr Glenday, but um, it is important that we make sure that those elected representatives are fully front and centre on this, and I'm sure you will do so. So thank you. Um, that brings us as far as I can see to the end of this evening's business. Thank you very much indeed, unless anybody has anything else they wish to say. Can I just say, a very impressive set of papers. Um, we've made enormous progress on project management, and I think we're all greatly indebted to Mr Glenday and his team for that, and we feel very, very comfortable about that. We've managed to tease out a couple of areas that need clarification in terms of governance within the overall scope of the project initiation document, which we're once again very happy with. But I think, although it's taken quite a while, this has been um, a good example of practical and focused scrutiny. And my particular thanks to councillors Crucioni and Coote, who have gone above and beyond the call in uh, looking at these documents in greater depth than perhaps the rest of us have, and thank them very much for that. Uh, Leader, I see you wish to make an observation or comment. Yeah, thanks. It's just, just stepping back a moment for Councillor Sell. If he looks at page uh, 24, which is near the end of the pin, he will see that, I think, as I thought earlier, that the chief executive is technically the sponsor of the project. Uh, and no, having almost no ego at all, I'm completely happy with that. But restating what I said earlier, um, I will consider myself very much to be the sponsor and work with the uh, chief executive on it. Not for me to speak for Councillor Sell. He's more than capable of doing that far more eloquently than I could. But I think the point was being made about the... Uh, how the Corporate Overview Board and the project sponsor then communicated with Cabinet and the Council as a whole. Would that be a reasonable observation, Councillor Sell? So we take your point, Leader, but... No, uh, that's, not, that's not what he said. He was asking who was the project sponsor technically. Well, I'm going to have to disagree with you here. We're not going to get him down into who said what said, but there was a general theme being elucidated by five or six members, which was consistent. And it's pointed out that there was a lack of clarity, and Councillor Evans has agreed that it would be a good idea to uh, produce a supplementary document to do that. So I think all in all, it's been a great success. Yeah, absolutely. I think John's, uh, John's paper will be very useful. But I, I also explained about the regular input I have with the... Chief Executive, which uh, significantly covers the governance of the project. Indeed, and that was extremely helpful, but it wasn't transparently clear from the documentation presented to us. But you and Councillor Evans have helped uh, clarify that enormously. And so I think, you know, we owe a debt of gratitude to Councillors Coote, Councillor Stora, Councillor Evans, yourself, and in particular Councillor Self for helping us tease that out. Are we content on that? I'm content. Excellent. Um, 
Does anybody else have anything they wish to say before we uh, go and have a cup of tea and see our families? Only to say good night to everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Good night, Councillor and the Count. Please hold. Your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold. Your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.